Welcome to Success Grid, the place for sharing entrepreneurial stories, knowledge, and wisdom to educate and inspire you to always strive to raise your standards in your business and your life. With your host, Hussein Talib. Hello and welcome to a new episode of the Success Grid podcast with your host, Hussein Talib. My guest today, Anwar Jumma Boy worked closely with entrepreneurs and CEOs as a mentor and business coach and was served on the advisory panel of the Taylor's University School of Hospitality and School of Business. Anwar is an author of nine entrepreneurisms. Right, Anwar, how are you? I'm well, Hussein. Lovely to be see you and to be on this podcast with you. And I look forward to talking about many things. Awesome, awesome to have you here. Welcome <laughs> to the welcome to the grid. <laughs> we actually been chatting for like 10-15 minutes before this episode, so that was cool. So uh, tell us a little bit more about you, who you are, and your story before okay. we get into this. So, so I, you know, I had a very, uh, very sort of normal, privileged background. Uh, went to school, went to university, uh, worked the summers, and then got a job, and started earning quite early. And uh, it was just a sort of career. But after a while, I realized that what I was doing. Uh, was not something that I enjoyed doing. And so then I, my, my, my life has taken many, many turns. Not all have been going forward. Some have been going backwards. But when I look back on it, it's really, um, it's been a journey on entrepreneurship. So I have started businesses and I have also worked for companies that have allowed me to be entrepreneurial. So that's become the sort of my core interest. So you basically worked with corporations before and you've been an entrepreneur yourself. So what do you think, for example, are the qualities of an entrepreneur in general? To, to be okay. an entrepreneur, can, can anyone be an entrepreneur? I, I, I would put it the other way and I say everyone who's saying is an entrepreneur. Mm. So we are all born entrepreneurial. It's just that when we end up working in organizations, we seem to park our entrepreneurship outside because we're worried about taking risk. We're worried about, you know, making a mistake. And, and so we then become, we follow the, follow the plan, right? We follow mm. the, and so we, we, we suppress what's naturally entrepreneurial. Because in, 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 in reality, in our personal lives, we all entrepreneurial. We all take risk. We all decide which house to buy, which car to buy, where to live. Who, which partner to have. So we, we, we make millions of decisions that don't always pan out well. And we are comfortable with that. But when we go into an organization, somehow we are not allowed to make a decision that doesn't pan out well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So, so that's, a, that's a problem, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, basically, you're right. It's like life is about risk, taking risks. And being in business and entrepreneur, it involves risks. But... I don't know what the idea about like maybe it's like it's it's like a systematic you know like when you get you get educated you get your degree in the university and then you get a job you have this uh, eight nine ten hours you you maybe have to learn like for a month and then you do the same thing mostly for the next twenty years <laughs> you know <laughs> this until until retirement but when you start thinking about being in business alone, so you're going to have some fears with whether it's going to be say, a success or not. What uh, what fears I'm going to have? What, what Will I be successful or not? Will I make money or not? I have, for example, some people think about, for example, obligations. They have families to take care of yes. certain things. So, so yeah. 
these kind of things come up into the, but you actually right even if you any decision that we make whether it's marriage or buying a car or whatever it is even if buying something like uh, cheap it's a decision that you have to make and uh, it's a risk you have to take yeah so, and, and you, sometimes you get it wrong right so, yeah exactly so the, yeah. The, you know, there are two types of organizations. There are the organizations that would like to hire robots, but robots are not available, so they have to settle for humans. <laughs> Actually, and, and, yeah, but, but, but that's coming. That's coming. So people need to be aware of that. So, and, but you get the other organizations that, that need to give their frontline people a lot more power, right? So mm-hmm. you talked about what does it take to be a successful entrepreneur. I would say that we are all entrepreneurial. The different question is, what does it take to build a successful business, right? Mm. So to build a successful business, you can borrow what entrepreneurs do. And so in, 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 in my book, we've detailed the nine things that some successful entrepreneurs do in order to build a business. But these are the same nine things that companies can use to build a better company and people can use to build a better person, right? Mm, cool. Oh. And the, the 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 starting point is always your what we call self-efficacy. What are you good at? Yeah. <clears throat> and a lot so, of times organizations don't remember what they're good at or forget what they're good at. And mm. you know, the difference between an entrepreneur and a and a large company, in an entrepreneur, you have passion because that's driven by your vision. You created it, and everybody that works for you loves you and loves this vision, right? So it becomes a very nice, well-oiled machine. If you are in a large organization, you are dropped into the organization. And sometimes leaders don't realize that they have to create the passion because they themselves don't buy into what does the organization do? What's the purpose of the organization, right? (laughs) So, So some organizations manage to understand the purpose, get their people to buy into it, and they build passion. Mm. But it's the work that needs to be done. Entrepreneurs don't need to this, do this work because they naturally, they, they're starting with nobody, right? So they attract the people that want this outcome. Organizations, you get dropped in or you get promoted up and then you have to discover what is this organization supposed to do? Why does it do it? Why should people work for this organization? So those are questions that leaders need to ask, but entrepreneurs don't have to. Yeah, but so, so do you do you think or believe like, Passion is an important ingredient of to be a success when you work as an when you are working for yourself, because maybe there is some kind of an idea comes to you and you're not particularly passionate about it, but you think it will break break you free maybe from the nine to five or whatever okay. time you work. Yes. So is passion that important? You see, passion. You you have to understand there is. There's different types of passion, right? So we, we, we separate a bit and say that you have to have self-efficacy, which is the, the ability to do something, either yourself or within the team. It's very important. It's very hard to build. And that's why most businesses, most startups are two or three founders mm. because you need that combination of talents, right? Uh, in order to create the ability to execute. The, the, the thing is that if you don't have that ability to execute and you're in a, in a company, then you obviously you have a problem. Passion helps you because it drives you to it. Mm. But are you passionate about what you do or are you passionate about the outcome? 
Mm. And there's a difference. Some people get very passionate about what you do. And I remember when I worked in the fund, I had invested in a, somebody who was always coming up with ideas. He was very passionate about ideas. But that was it. Stops. He had no interest. <laughs> no know, action. He, he, <laughs> he had no interest to, make, to get yeah, it to a business. Yeah, you have to take action. It does not just... It doesn't... No, he took, he, he, took, he took action to make this uh, idea into a reality. Mm. But into making it a business, he, he was no interested in that. Mm. That was not something that interested him. So so when we say passion, we, we use a generic term, but it actually... We have to ask the second question. What are you passionate about? You're passionate about what you are doing? Are you passionate about the impact you are making? Or are you passionate about being successful? And, and they're all different passions, and which mm. are fine. I mean, in, 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 in my book, we interviewed a lot of entrepreneurs. And I asked, them, I asked many of them, did you become passionate before you were successful or after you were successful? Oh, cool. Oh, that's important. That's... And, and, and it's a difficult question to answer for them. <laughs> yeah, but like you mentioned in companies, like uh, in general, companies who are mostly been in business for a long time, maybe at the start of their business it's like we are no we know what we are doing we know exactly yeah but exactly. but with time going by and other businesses and competitors coming into the scene it's becoming like a kind of a copy paste operations uh, not evolving not innovating that's right right and, and and you know but it is still it is possible to to find a purpose so i i i worked in a in a budget hotel group for a long time I used to run operations for the group. And one of the things that we did was to explain to people why a budget hotel is important. And, you know, we want to people to understand that it's a budget hotel. Yes, the space is small. Yes, there's no room service. Yes, there is no room uh, t uh, phone in the room. Because these are things that not everybody uses. So why should mm -hmm. we expand resources and put these things in the room? and get everybody to pay for it when the reality is very few people use it, right? Mm -hmm. So very few people use the gym, very few people use the pool. But the cost of running that is spread across all the room, right? We, 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 we think we are a fairer, more eco-friendly environment. And when you explain that to people and you hire people who also believe that, then you get passion mm -hmm. because it makes sense to them. Exactly. So, so these are, you know, you can create it. You have to think about it, but you can create it in, I think you can create it in any business. Yeah, but it's important what you mentioned because maybe someone might be passionate uh, looking at the end of line, like the money that's going to make. So that's, that, that's, not, that's making an impact on themselves, but not actually on the world that they do. So if they are not, involved in the process that they are doing it's it's maybe yeah, it's no it's money driving them not the thing that they're actually doing providing and that's value the problem. And, yeah. i think you you hussein you touch on an important point because very often in management structures it is the incentives that drive behaviors which from an ordinary perspective don't make sense and you can see it in politics as well you mm. know there are so many decisions made in politics by politicians and you think as an ordinary person, this makes no sense. But they still make those decisions. They're not stupid people. They're very clever people because they are looking at the benefits 
that not you and I are looking at. They're looking at the benefits that they can see. Whereas yeah. we are assessing that decision on the basis of the benefits that we can see. And so, you know, it happens in politics. It happens in organizations as well. People yeah. don't always make the best decisions for the organization. Often they make the best decisions for themselves. Yeah, yeah, that's... that's, that's employees cool. are no different, right? Employees are no different. So when you ask an employee to do something that doesn't make sense, they're not going to be committed to it. They'll do it because they have to do it and they get into trouble if they don't do it. Yeah. But and to get, to, get the, to get the paycheck at the end of the month. So exactly, that's what comes. Exactly. Yeah. So what do you think about uh, business models? Because, uh, yes. yeah, what do you think about I think them? business models don't work. So what is a business model in general? Is it like in general, like, like for example, online online businesses? So go yes. do something called like affiliate marketing, uh, which is basically promote other people's products. Or for example, go do uh, e-commerce selling yes. on Amazon or yes. something yes. like that. So why yes. do you think it's not work? It does not work. So so the typical business model is that you decide that this is a product that fits the market you price it you make it and you sell it right product or service it doesn't matter so you you decide that you have this product or you have this service it fits but the problem with the business model is that it's very rigid mm. right what happens if the product is not exactly what you thought it was what happens when the market evolves So what happens when technology changes, which allows you to make different products, make it differently, et cetera? So the successful entrepreneurs don't think of their business as a business model. They think of it as a business frame, which is something that evolves with period of time. They generally know where they're going, but they know that they're going to be lefts and rights. Preferences are going to change. You know, the, these things are going to happen, right? So yeah. I give you the, the, the business model, for example, of NASA. The hmm. business model of NASA is fill a rocket with fuel, shoot it up into the air, dump the rocket, and continue on your journey. Business model, right? They never re-examined, can technology be, is technology now available to bring the rocket back? Is technology hmm. now available to, to reuse the craft? They, they were very clear. This is the business. This is how we do it. We don't do it any other way. We, we develop something, we test it until we know it's 99.9999% working, and then we use it. And the result of which is the technology that goes up is 20 years old or 15 years old, because by the time it's been tested, tried, uh, sourced, etc. Outdated, maybe. It's outdated, right? And Elon Musk came back yeah. and said, why don't we reuse the rocket? Yes, we <laughs> sacrifice some payload because yeah. we have to put fuel to bring it back. You know, electric cars were the, there were more electric cars in New York in the 19, I think 1900, 1901, 1905 than, than electric cars were the only cars available. Mm. And then what happened was Henry Ford came up with very cheap uh, petrol cars and somebody, somebody invented an electric starter. And so... Electric cars died off because mm. they had limited range. Yeah. And suddenly you had gas-driven cars, petrol stations that allow you to travel across the whole of America. Yeah, exactly. Whereas in your electric car, you could only travel into Manhattan. <laughs> right? And yeah. so 
for so many years, people forgot about electric cars until mm. somebody asked the question, can we overcome the charging problem? Can we overcome the storage problem? Yeah, which so, is, by, by the way, you're talking about, for example, Elon Musk here. He actually did yes. both. He worked with SpaceX to bring the rockets back. <laughs> Right, and also yes. with, the, yeah. with the with the Tesla cars, which is which, which they drive more than. I'm not I'm not a big, I don't know much about electric cars in general. I don't have an electric car. To me, I, I'm a fan of <laughs> petrol, but no, noisy petrol six. Yeah, noisy petrol six, yeah. six cylinder. Yeah, yeah. They but have yeah. their own charm. It's just that they're not very good for the environment. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's it, exactly. But some people prefer that. But it's it's a it's a big, a very very creative, very out uh, futuristic thinking. It's like uh, pioneer. This guy, this guy is kind of a pioneer in in this sure. place. Yeah, I mean, it is an interesting question whether we will see, uh, whether we'll see self-driving cars, mm. right? I mean, we have self-driving trucks now, but they typically tend to be uh, a driver in the lead truck and then the other trucks are, are following with no drivers. Mm. So, you know, the, a lot of the logistics companies are doing that. But uh, there is a general aversion to not having a driver in the car. I mean, you, we can have driverless planes, you know, because a plane takes off on auto, yeah. it flies on auto, it lands on auto. So why do you need a pilot? Because we'd be uh, too shit scared to sit in the plane. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Yo, it's just traveling. <laughs> where's where the, the, where where the, the pilot? Where's the pilot? The pilot, the, the pilot is sitting in the in the business class cabin with you, <laughs> and uh, he only he only goes to the cockpit um, when 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 he needs to. But at the rest yeah. of the time, he's sitting in the in the, so so. There's some cultural. Um, Yes. Traits, etc. That you know, I'm not called. These are these are societal societal rules that you know need to be overcome. Yeah, but these big awesome. So uh, companies, why do they struggle now? I we are basically here talking about technologies and evolving and inventions and reinventions and new yes. things and maybe the human element does not need to be there in a lot of things in the future probably so why do companies some companies struggle are not are they not seeing the trends that are coming so so we talked a little bit about it right so in mm. some companies the leadership is is um, too tied to the performance bonus structure that they don't want to make changes. Mm. And the second problem is that in some of these companies, the employees have been told so many times, just do it this way, that they have stopped telling, hey, boss, there's another way, right? No, yeah. So that's the second reason. And the third reason is sometimes employees are afraid that if they suggest something that is different, better, faster, their role will be impacted and it will not be impacted positively. So they <laughs> don't say anything. Right? Yeah, yeah. The, the problem is like most business, big businesses or corporation or financial institution, from what I have seen from my experience, there is no meeting about what is the next idea, guys, do you think? The next big meeting is like, 
who screwed up this with the customer so you know <laughs> you know there is a meeting when someone screws up the job but there is no yeah. meeting to thank a person there is no meeting to think of a new innovative solutions so do you see this is a and, problem and for companies this is a big problem and it becomes far more critical now because talented people young people have lots of choices you know maybe 15 20 years ago they didn't have so many choices today there are so many inefficiencies in the marketplace that young people are able to go out and start companies and raise money yeah. so and and there's a good chance of a payoff and we all have these you know larger than life business models like elon musk and jeff bezos and so many others in malaysia last last week we had our us dollar unicorn Mm. Right, the first what's, US dollar unicorn. What's the? It's a company. It's a company that sells cars online, mm, used okay. cars online, which doesn't require you to. You don't. You don't. You don't have a test drive, so you you buy a car based on the report that they produce of their inspection of the car. So you have a lot of opportunities for young people, and young people, in taking these opportunities, have a potential for very large payoff. and they're saying why don't i do that why should i work for a company for 10 or 15 years which says they want me to be loyal but one day if they have to cut headcount they'll just cut headcount and they say sorry guy yeah. you got to go right <laughs> yeah, exactly. so so yeah. so they want to take control of their own life and and isn't that what entrepreneurship is about right so why do you want to yeah. make, invest your own money buy your own you want to take control of your life exactly. and so it's and that's why i say we are all entrepreneurs it's just mm-hmm. that there are two types of entrepreneurship the one that drives you to start a company and then the one that dictates how you work in a company so so this is maybe this kind of thinking may be good for staying in the company and being what's called an entrepreneur something like that maybe yeah i don't like to use uh, you know the people use the word uh, entrepreneur which means that you know hussein you're an entrepreneur you have a lot more freedom and flexibility that shouldn't apply to just hussein it should apply to everybody right so i don't like the word entrepreneur but i think you need to celebrate and and try do experiments do projects allow people some flexibility listen to internal people because typically it's your customer facing people that bring you the best ideas because they interact with the customer in most organizations however they are so risk averse they tend to listen to the finance people the hr people and the legal people yeah and then the guys that generate the revenue become the last people they listen to but these are the guys that create value for the company right yeah so the people so, that deal with the customer so the so most you need to impo- listen to those guys you need to so the, listen to exactly so the most important people do you think are the sales people or the customer service people because like you mentioned the the people who are in hr they are basically far away from operations and they are not bringing money and sometimes their Correct. decisions and even the upper management sometimes does not really go well with the flow of things and they dictate things where the operations side of things of the company or the sales side of things who are let's say on the ground basically yes. working with the customers yeah. know the things they are interacting with the customers knowing their they maybe their stories knowing their needs or wants this That's is right. yeah 
And, and, you know, a lot of times the middle management gets put in a difficult position because senior management promises the customer something, doesn't give the resources or the flexibility to the middle management. And the middle management cannot tell the customer, I can't do this because I don't have the resources. They, can't, they cannot say that. They cannot say, hey, I can't do this because my boss lied to you. They, they cannot say these things, right? So, so they get put in this very, very difficult position where they have to deliver against a promise that they did not participate in. And so it is, I mean, you know, uh, I mean, you know, large, not just large companies, but companies that are, have become so, so rigid and, and expecting that tomorrow will be the same as yesterday. These companies are, you know, are going to have problems. And you've seen that yourself, Hussein, that no company just disappears, right? Mm. You lose a bit of market share, then you lose a bit more market share, then you lose a bit more market share, and then suddenly it's too late. Yeah, but it's, it's hard to get back. It's hard to get back now because everything is moving very fast. If you start uh, losing your uh, share, market share and these kind of things, uh, it will go out quickly, probably. Like, I, I actually, I'm not a big fan, for example, of that Netflix. I'm not a subscriber to it. But uh, what Netflix did and took out in the US, uh, Blockbuster, I think the name, so right. yeah, so everything was for Blockbuster. Everything seemed to be in front of them. Like it's everything is going online. So why did they see that? So I don't know, man. Well, Toys R Us are another example, right? So Toys R Us uh, also resisted going online, and you know, and for a lot for a lot of the American retailers, you know, it's always been that your your the bulk of your sales comes between. Uh, Christmas and New Year. So really the two months of the year are critical to, to your financial performance. Mm. And what did, you know, what did the e-retailers do? They, they create a sale every month. 9-9 sale, 10-10 sale, 11-11 sale, 12-12 sale. You can't do that as a, as a, as a, as a, as a physical stand, physical retailer, right? Mm. But if you're online, you just create all sorts of things. Yeah. Now, now the world was, the world was stuck with, with e Christmas, New Year, uh, that was it, right? If for us, it's Chinese New Year and Diwali, but these were the festive periods where you got a push in sales. And then suddenly, the eat retailers came about. They have all of this, and they also have a 9-9 sale, a 11-11 sale, a 12-12 sale, a 6-6 mm. sale. No, yeah, exactly. And so they, they distribute their revenue across the whole year, right? Mm. So now with the pandemic, hopefully it's like passing and ending uh, soon. Uh, everything now is online. A lot of uh, forget like Amazon, Ali, Alibaba, and AliExpress. They are already big in the market and already established yes. for years. Like a lot of people now who understand things go online and start selling online the e-commerce. That's right. And, yeah, it's it's. And it's so a, these are people. So these are people who are either trapped in jobs that they don't enjoy, or they they they've got jobs that have disappeared. And they realize that they have a natural talent for certain things. So they may have a natural talent to make cookies or they may have a natural talent to make cakes or a natural talent to make certain foods. And so they realize that they never studied this. And, and, and that's why I tell a lot of people, I don't know whether university education really makes any sense anymore. <laughs> because, you know, look at all these guys. They, they are starting businesses around their competence, around their passion. And suddenly you have so many 
new suppliers, you know, the pandemic, pandemic has meant that so many new suppliers have come to the market. Mm. So today when I buy something online, I can buy from Artisan. You know, sometimes we order cakes. It's always from some home baker somewhere that I would have never heard of. You know, normally I would just go down the road to the, to the, the supermarket. But now I look online and I find this little baker who makes these wonderful cakes somewhere. You know, and I order from him. Or if you want to order a specialty food, I mean, I ordered satay the other day, which is a grilled uh, meat on a stick. Mm. And you can find that from one particular vendor. He only does this. Obviously, he's going to be good at it. Yeah. Right? So, so the nice thing about the pandemic is that it has mushroomed a lot of small businesses. Mm. It's, you know, it's been quite devastating for a lot of people that work yeah. for large companies. But the companies that adopt the entrepreneurial traits, which is, you know, around self-efficacy, a bit of risk-taking, which they're forced to do, and they're passionate, they're taking uh, use of this opportunity. And, you know, they're learning. They're trying, they're learning. So, so education is going to become, I think, in the future, more about learn, do, earn, learn, do, earn, learn, do, earn, right? Yeah, exactly. And so De development, development and learning and gaining knowledge and then taking action, uh, this is what's it about, entrepreneurship. That's right. No, ma no matter what the risk is, yeah, so <laughs> you can you can start over. <laughs> yeah, well, sometimes think, yeah. Risk, is, risk, is, risk is overstated, right? So in mm, our book, yeah. what we say is that You, you think that that person is taking risk, but you don't have the capability or the knowledge of that person. Mm. So you think it's risky, but for that person, they have the capability. They don't think it's risky. Exactly. So tell us a little so we bit tend more. To, yeah. Switch, yeah. Tell ahead. us a little bit more about your book, Nine Entrepreneurisms. So Nine Entrepreneurisms takes the nine traits or practices of successful entrepreneurs explains each of the traits and then tells you where they have been used by other people and why you should use it. So mm -hmm. the nine traits, you know, I, I'll just go through very quickly. The first three are self-efficacy, risk-taking, and passion. What are you good at? Understand the risk, contain the risk, manage the risk, but take the risk. And passion, passion because we talked about earlier, right? Are you passionate about what you do? Are you passionate about winning? Are you passionate about serving a customer. So these are three that are normally associated with entrepreneurs, which you can bring into your own business, self-efficacy, risk-taking, and passion. The next three are innovation, opportunism, and, and learning. Because you have to innovate. Your competitors are innovating. Your, the constantly. process you use is changing. It's constantly. So you have to innovate. You have to take advantage of the opportunities that you get. And you're only going to benefit if you learn on the same time. So mm -hmm. innovation, opportunism, and learning are the next three. And the final three are realism, persuasion, and execution. You have to be realistic about what you have. You have to be realistic about what you can get. You have to be able to persuade people, right? And persuasion is, is, is more than selling. Persuasion is also listening to see whether the other person really could benefit from what you have or not. So the last three are realism, persuasion, and execution. If you can't execute, then we all know, right? <laughs> execution. Intent. Uh, intent all. is great. Yeah, intent, intent is yeah, great. But, but it, uh, it doesn't, it doesn't translate doesn't do, to action. Yeah, yeah. The execution is the mother of all 
success let's say maybe that's right, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and that's why entrepreneurs uh, you know the successful entrepreneurs are very good because they can both see near and far at the same time right they can they can get into detail but they can also use a business frame and understand where they're going in the long term and they can get things to fit but they don't lose sight of of today what needs yeah. to be done today exactly so anwar what do you think one take away from our episode today single takeaway is this you don't have to be you don't have to start a business to be an entrepreneur we are all entrepreneurial it's a question of find the opportunity to use it use it in your organization use it in yourself so we are all born entrepreneurial awesome i love that we are all born entrepreneurial where, where can people get in touch with you the easiest is on linkedin and and my book is available on uh, amazon Awesome. Well, thank you, Anwar, for being on this episode of the Success Grid. It was awesome to have you here and great insights. Thank you, Hussein. I look forward to um, to seeing you again and 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 in the future. Awesome. Of course. Of All course. Right. Thank you for listening to this episode of Success Grid. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And if you found value in the show, rate and leave a review on iTunes. For more resources, visit successgrid.net. Until next time.